We're back for season six of my podcast. I'm all about putting the human factor back into business by helping organisations become places where people are happy, well and able to perform at their best. And that's what my guests shed light on with their expertise and experience. As those who know me will be very familiar with, my mantra is simple, get people right, get business right. And that means we'll be covering a whole range of topics that impact on employee experience, engagement and mental well-being. And many of you will know that I hate tick boxes. So we'll be kicking those out, getting beneath the surface of shiny new initiatives, stripping back layers of complexity and going back to the fundamentals of good business. That's the people. This series runs alongside the launch of Leadership Labs and Manager Labs that I'm excited to be facilitating with the fabulous Gemma Ellison of Heart Leadership. These are interactive and dynamic communities that turn typical L&D on its head. If you are a manager or leader and want an opportunity to problem solve, challenge the status quo, experiment and evaluate all within a small supportive group, get in touch. More information and contact details are in the podcast notes. I'm your host, Lisa, psychologist, psychotherapist and founder of It's Time for Change. Thank you for joining me on Beyond the Water Cooler. This week, I have the privilege of talking to the fabulous Mike Mayer. Mike is Director of Mayer Development, and he is passionate about doing everything to do with helping people develop and learn well and be successful in their organisation. Um, and Mike has huge experience in L&D, um, and you're joining me today to discuss the key stages uh, of employee engagement. So the key stages that every organisation needs to think about for their employees to have the best experience possible so that they can engage. And you've, I love the, the diagram that um, Mike has sent to me and we'll, we'll attach these things to the show notes where it really explains the whole journey right from the start from recruitment right to the end for business intelligence. So thank you so much for joining me today, Mike. No, thank you for the opportunity. I'm really looking forward to it. So we met at an event earlier in the year and you were then kind enough to come and drive over from you're in Cambridge aren't you yeah, yeah from Cambridge over to Oxford um and to meet me and to help me reflect on my business by um, using storyboarding and that was an awesome opportunity and it just gave me that experience in itself gave me an opportunity to pause and have space and to reflect and to learn and to think about what I was doing next to, to develop so with all that as kind of my backdrop I was thinking goodness this would be I, I could just imagine you in a space where you are given the opportunity to do that with organizations and actually that hitting that pause button and really thinking about what we're doing while we're doing while we're doing it so I think today I'm really looking forward to hearing about that and I know you're also a stakeholder in MLNC um, which I'm going to let you tell us a little bit more about in a moment. Um, and you've produced a white paper, which is all about this end-to-end -end employee experience. So, so tell us a little bit more about MLNC and this white paper, how that came about, and sort of how this, this um, I guess, this mapping out of the whole employee experience journey came to be. Yeah, so I've I've been in the past been in the privileged position of being a, a head of learning and development in an organisation who invested in their people, that had uh, really good engagement scores, were consistently in the Times Sunday Times top one hundred organisations to work for. In fact, in the top twenty, 
and they had high productivity. So I was a head of learning development, I sat on the leadership team, and I had the opportunity to influence, inspire people development. I then, after a, a long period working with that organization, had the opportunity to go and set up my own consultancy business, Mere Development, and had a privileged opportunity to join Management Learning and Culture, who are an organization who will be celebrating <clears throat> 20 years next year, and they've got lots of experience in management, learning, and culture. So it seemed a, a great fit for me to have that opportunity to utilize my experience of being head of learning development to join an organization who are getting exposure to working with lots of different organizations. And that's been really good for me. So I feel a privileged position in the past, privileged position at the moment. And you know, there's a lot of talk about employee engagement and the end-to-end the -end experience. And I just thought with MLNC, let's have this conversation. What are the key touch points that have an impact on how people feel about working for their organisation? Because I'm a real strong believer that no business can be sustainably successful without its people. Mm. So the experience I have in being a counterpoint, what about the people? What about the people? What about the people? And I've got some challenging stories to share, but I've got some huge success stories about the value of investing in people. Mm. I would also add as part of your introduction, I do live and breathe people development. I'm a football coach. I've written a book on developing the intelligent young footballer and I've been in youth coaching now for I think it's about 15 years and I just love the opportunity to work with young footballers from the age of four and five up to the under 18s that's the area that I work in and helping them not only be the best they can but football but be the best they can as, as an individual. I love that because it's it's that really says it all in terms of how much you want to invest in um, helping people achieve their potential, be the best version of themselves. And, you know, there is that connection, although you wouldn't necessarily make the connection directly between football and business. Actually, if people feel good about who they are and what they do and their achievements and being part of a team and, you know, that sense of meaning and purpose outside of their business or their education then of course they bring that into their workplace or their school so I think you know it's it's always comes back to it's like your sense of touch points there are we have to get outside of that notion of we just have an impact on these people in this particular context and actually look at the big picture um, and recognize that people are whole people I think you're very good at doing that and I love what you said about touch points because if we just talk about employee experience, employee engagement, it's so broad that actually we need to narrow it down. We need to have very clear points that we can say, right, what's going on here and what's going on, what's going on in that particular place in the organisation. Yeah, and, and any anyone who's listening to the podcast might think, well, I can think of another touch point. Well, if that's helped you think of another touch point, then great. Mm -hmm. But what we're trying to do is just pull together that experience and say, here are some to get started with. And do you talk about, um, you know, because we're using the words employee experience, employee engagement. Do you um, talk about both of those interchangeably or do you um, focus on one before the other? Or how do you, because I'm just thinking, one thing I'm very passionate about is getting beyond 
the terminology when people talk about you know use these phrases and what what it is we actually mean by some of these terms so when you're talking about employee experience what are you actually referring to it's so for me people have to be engaged and connected to give their best Mm. so if we're thinking about engagement in everything that we do then we'll be providing a great work experience Mm. but we know that careers can be a long time within an organization and I might be engaged for a period of time and then something changes then I drop off from it Mm. so for me engagement has to be on the agenda Mm. but making sure that we're continually looking at and creating the right and best experience will enhance engagement and, and, you know, there, there are some times when you're in business, and particularly when I was sitting as a member of the leaders, we had to make some tough decisions for the business. But when we made those tough decisions, what about the people? Mm. What about the people? Mm. And then it's been able to help them. Okay, this is, this is a challenging story. But, okay, now we need to look to the future, respect mm. the past and see the future. Mm. So if you're thinking about engagement... In, in every touch point then you'll be providing a great work experience yeah and I and we had a similar conversation I think it was on last end of last week with a um an HR ecosystem I was um meeting with as part of B4 business and we were looking at employee experience employee engagement and talking about the fact that your experience has got to be the right experience for you to engage so if you're going into a team environment where it doesn't feel psychologically safe that whole experience is working against you you're not going to engage and you know there's a huge correlation between experience engagement mental well-being you know all those things are, have high correlation so we need to be very clear about um creating the right experience so that people can show up and experience the best selves and engage so let's kick off with the first part of your journey because we're going you've got a lovely roadmap and I'm looking at this on my screen um, and we're going to make sure we put this in the um in the show notes we're going to have various links to various um resources that you've got but the first stage on this on this road is recruitment so talk to us about that briefly Mike yeah well if an organization is identified they need to get the best people to come and join the business then they've got to give great attention to uh, recruitment and I've got a a spectrum of stories I could tell where people have just given up in the recruitment process because it's, I'm not enjoying the recruitment process. Mm. Um, I do understand it's a candidate-driven market and it's very difficult to be able to, to recruit people at the moment. But if you're going to invest your time in having the best recruitment in place, then you have to look at your recruitment processes to make sure that it's engaging. And, and I think it's significantly changed in the way that, for example, if um, I was interviewing you for, for my business, you're also interviewing me. Mm. I can remember uh, very early, uh, well, very early, a number of years ago, I was doing an interview and somebody asked me a question about me. And I went, how do you, how do you know that? I've seen it on LinkedIn. I've seen your profile on LinkedIn. So they are also making that decision or whether they want to come and work for you. And if your recruitment processes are not in a way that creates a feeling of what the organization and the, and the culture is going to be like, people will drop out. 
Um, but then if you take it to the other, other end of the spectrum, uh, I've seen an organisation where they send a video book to the participant, or the, the sorry, the, the person is looking to get the, the role, and they can tell you so much about the business, and you're thinking, look at this, I can tell and show all my friends and family members, and already you've created a really good feeling is this is going to be a great place to work for, and this is the place that I want to work. Mm. So very much for me, recruitment has to be as streamlined as possible, as engaging as possible, and think about it as a two-way. If you are not engaged with the, the whole mm. recruitment process, then you're not sure this is the right organisation to, to join. The video is a lovely idea. and It reminds me, actually, of when um, my daughter, who's now 12, started secondary school and her, if you go onto the secondary school website, it has a video about this is what the school looks like and it does a walk around and they have a chat and so on to help get young people um, invested in the idea of going to this place, this new place and feeling positive about it. And, he, and actually, that is a really great idea for businesses to do as well in terms of telling you so much more than you might just pick up from reading a website or you know f through the your interview process so I really like that it's kind of it's emotionally engaging you isn't it it's and it's using different ways of um you know communicating information rather than just here's a document read it and find out more about us yeah if you if you want to attract the best then they've got to get that feeling so it's really important I think that organizations invest that time that's my first first impression of yeah I, I really want to work here and in a competitive, uh, competitive market that's why they'll choose your organization yeah yeah and I couldn't agree more actually I, I, I um, we haven't got time to go into it but just to say I was offered a um, place at a very prestigious university when I was doing my psychology masters and turned it down purely based on the uh, experience of being interviewed because it was they were their universities relying on their reputation as being this is an amazing place we don't have to make any effort contrast that to other places who focus on making you feel welcome the relationships just helping people feel relaxed getting the best out of people and it's like actually your the whole experience is such a contrast and it's a really controversial decision to make I was working with at that point with someone from that university but it's like actually it's not I'm judging that university as much as they judged me um, and it wasn't the right fit. So I think I think that's a really good point to make, Mike. So moving on to onboarding, second stage of that journey. Well, th this is when I first got into learning and development, the uh, the director of the business said, Mike, if you get one thing right in learning and development, it's got to be induction and onboarding, yeah. because that really is the first impression. And that day and I arrive in, in the business. And for me, onboarding is about helping people feel integrated and effective as quickly as possible. If I want to recruit somebody, I need to get them feeling part of the business and be able to do their job mm. as quickly as possible. Mm. And, you know, I've heard some horror stories lately about people joining organisations and people didn't know they were arriving and somebody got their laptop and it's... They can't get their laptop to work and then they get contact the IT department and saying, so when are you joining? Well, I joined a week ago. Mm. How does that feel? People not even meeting the managers in months. Mm. Or people joining organisations and they're sit, asked to sit there and work through 
20, 45 minute video clips. Mm. How did it feel? Mm. How did it feel? And uh, I'm pretty sure for a lot of people, well, I know that certainly two of those stories, they've decided to leave the organization. And you think, what a waste in the recruitment. Mm. I've done really well with the recruitment. I've got the person in, but I haven't invested in onboarding. Whereas for me, if I've had a really good onboarding experience and I'm going home and I'm telling my friends and family, I have joined the best organization, then that buys a lot as, as you go through. And if you take it to the to the other end of the spectrum, I know an organization I worked with recently who have set in 30 day, 60 day and 90 day reviews. So after 30 days, we'd ex expect this is where you're at, 1690. I've got a, right to the end of the experience, we've got something we're talking about business intelligence, but what it starts with, we should be able to say hello and goodbye with equal amounts of enthusiasm. Mm. So if we've decided we want to recruit and we're onboarding something, well, let's say hello with real enthusiasm because you've got your first touch point in the workplace on engagement and I've made that decision. This is a great place. I want to stay here. And that's all the emotional stuff, isn't it? I think when people think about onboarding, they often think about, have you got your laptop? You know, have you got the kind of the equipment you need? And do you know your schedule and that sort of stuff? They think less my experience is that people think less about the people side and the emotional side and the motivation side and connections and so on and as you say all that saying hello and goodbye and so on that's about I'm connecting with this place at an emotional level but that's got to come from that comes from relationships that comes from feeling energized and feeling excited and that comes from knowing your sense of purpose and why you're there and who you're working with and so I always think that the best yes you have to have your IT and so on in place but the best companies are those that really invest in getting people to spend time actually not looking at a laptop but spending time with every member of their team having great conversations about what they do and what they love and what they're working on and you know how potential to work together finding out about each other's roles and you know that's the stuff that you you take home with you not yeah I've got my phone my laptop to work or my phone to switch on or <laughs> whatever. So I think those are, those are really good points. When I, when I worked in there as a head of learning and development, we, we ran an induction program for, given we how long I worked there, but probably 25 years induction program just evolved and developed. And I would say the vast majority of people will come in and say it's the best onboarding they've ever had. And can I just share a seven point checklist that mm -hmm. I would say? So for me onboarding, you have to be integrated and effective as quickly as possible. And here is my top tips. For anyone new joining the organization, understand their challenges, accelerate their learning, make them part of the team, connect them with the key stakeholders, give them direction, help them get early wins and coach them for success. And I use that as okay. If you if your onboarding program does all of that, then you've got a great onboarding program. And also, if I might add in there, or that might be covered in one of those about um, the mental well-being side. So I worked with um, Anna Harrington, who's brilliant um, occupational nurse. Or that might have got this title slightly wrong, but she does um, awesome things with businesses around supporting people. And we work together to produce an onboarding program, which is around 
how to help people understand how to look after themselves and how to look after each other when they start an organization and for me that's a great message to people that we look after people and we value you and self-care and understanding um your early warning signs actually asking too much of you or uh you don't know what your sense of purpose is and you're kind of wavering a bit or there's uncertainty and you know that feels uncomfortable so understanding how you know that we the the messages that communicates in terms of you've got to understand yourself and how to look after yourself and we want to look after you I think it's really really powerful so yeah so I'd add that in <laughs> eight steps now um so effective training is next Mike so <clears throat> I think it's really important that I've complete my own boarding program and I've very clear here's the things that I need to learn to be successful at my job if I don't know how to do my job and nobody tells me how can I do my job really well so it's really important for organizations to work out these are the things that people need to learn to need to know to need to be trained in to need to understand for them to do their job well every day and I think it's hugely engaging if my manager would sit with me and say okay, in the next six months, here are the things that you need to be trained in. And I can get that completed and I can get that checked off. And now that I know that I'm learning what I need to learn in the organisation. Now, I do get that for one of the quickest ways to learn is to throw somebody into the deep end and see if they can swim. And that still happens in organisations. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but imagine the engagement of said, Here's the manager. Okay, you've completed your onboarding. You're integrated and effective. So here's the next stages. Here's the things that you would like you to learn, to know and understand. And that then becomes something that I can see it being completed. And I know that I'm doing the right thing. So for someone who's going to feel engaged and connected, I can see and feel and measure my progress. And my manager can see and feel and measure my progress. And so can my teammates. So for organizations, I think it's really important. What's your training plan? Mm. And and investing in people showing that you are looking for the gaps because you recognize that no one's going to have um, all the skills. Well, it's very unlikely that people are going to have everything that they need when they start a new role. So looking for those gaps and looking at actually how that ongoing development is going to happen is really reassuring for people that I'm not just going to be sitting here and stuck here and, and we're trying to work it all out for myself, which I think happens too often. And people realize often people come in with that sense of I'm not so confident at this. You know, that's that typical imposter syndrome as well about worrying about how I how good I'm going to be and have I got all the skills. So to have someone let me know I've got the skills or actually asking me where I need some support is going to help me feel hugely valued and, and minimize that worry of I'm going to be found out sometime down the somewhere down the line. That I actually have got these gaps and I managed to get through my interview and they didn't seem to notice. <laughs> yeah, and, and it works two ways as well. It's that as you, the individual, you're seeing and making progress, but I think it influences and enhances the effectiveness of the people managers. Mm. If I've been able to say, right, new person joined, I've recruited them well, I've onboarded them well, here's your training plan, I'm measuring seeing progress then aren't they then creating the best version of the individual that they've re recruited, that they've chosen? And aren't they enhancing the skills and capability of the team? 
So it works work both ways. Mm. Um, measure measure the progress. So we have effective training happening next. Great working environment. Okay, so this this one is a little bit more about um, understanding the systems and the environment that people are actually operating in. So this goes beyond the checklist or the the training. It's making sure that people have the the right laptop at work, or so the right protective clothing, or the procedures are very clear and transparent and the policies are clear and transparent and I know who my, who do I need to talk to? Who are the other departments that we need to connect with and engage with? So it goes beyond giving me all the skills that I need to be able to do my job. It's about then creating that environment that I know the right people, I can follow the procedures, I have all the right equipment, I have all the right things that will enable me to do my job well every day. So I need to get an understanding of the knowledge, but I need to have that environment to work in. And I, it sounds so obvious, but it's so often overlooked, isn't it? And, and the number of times I get asked to come into a company because there's been conflict, you know, people's relationships are breaking down within a team and, um, people are actively disengaging and um you know they'll say can you come and work out what's going on and help us put it right and it comes down to you know everyone's thinking it's very complicated in terms of people's own personal agendas and quite they're assuming it's quite complicated and actually when you get to the bottom of it and you have conversations with everyone and you actually work out what's going on it's because they don't know what all the basic processes aren't in place that haven't been communicated clearly to them or they haven't all um, actually ha also had a part in shaping them. So when everyone says, actually, we're supposed to, you know, this system for taking messages for each other is supposed to work like this, but it doesn't actually work for me in my role because I'm not in the office or whatever it might be. And actually everyone is able to review, actually review and shape those processes and those procedures and, you know, how we, how we do things around here with each other. It is so it's so strengthening as a team and it means that people can go to work confident that their environment supports them to do their role in the best possible way but it's and it's those obvious things sometimes you just think wow you just need no one's thought of doing it at this level and it's going, it's going back to basics yeah yeah and I think there's two aspects of that is as well is if I'm in an environment that's great to work with I'm likely to be more innovative, more creative, more collaborative and play my part in a high performing team. But also let's get the reality. Sometimes things don't work that way. Mm. And I'm working with an organization at the moment where, yeah, it's not the greatest working environment, but it's about recognizing, okay, that's what it is. Mm. How can we improve it? Are we going to take the time to improve it or are we just going to stick on a treadmill and just, oh, mm. and I've got that, uh, uh, a great, well, it's not great, it's, a, it's an equation I had. E plus R equals O. What's the event plus my response will help me get to that outcome? Mm. So if we just accept, oh, it's always been this way and we won't improve it, we won't change it, well, guess what you'll get? But if you then recognise that it's not the best it can be, so how can we improve it? Mm. And then you've got a real opportunity to reduce waste improve efficiency 
and effectiveness, and then you'll improve the employee engagement and the work experience. And as a, a manager and a leader in an organization, I didn't have all the answers. Okay, team, this is what's happened. It's not working that well. What can we do? Well, how engaging is that? So it's about recognizing, go, 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 let's make it best, but also stop. How can we fix it? How can we change it? How can we make it better? As humans, we're really good, aren't we, at getting just stuck in that place of moaning about stuff. And we moan about stuff we can't control, like the weather. <laughs> you and I start this call today by me going, oh, it's sunny, and you're like, it's pouring the rain in Cambridge. Um, stuff we can't control, uh, or we talk about problems that annoy us, get us down, kind of block us from being able to experience what we want to experience. But no one actually asks the why. Like, what? why is that happening? What can we do about it? And again, that question, you know, that's such a great equation that you've just given us. When you stop and think about what, what is really going on and what can we do about it to change it, and going back to the root cause. And I'm someone asked me yesterday, you know, what the purpose of my work is. And it's about getting beyond the assumptions, kind of getting beyond what we think is going on around here and actually finding out what's really going on under the surface. And I think one, when we can um, look at why these things are happening that are not very effective and change them, you, it's obvious you change the outcomes. But people don't often pause and go back and start exploring and investigating and hypothesizing and, you know, trying something different, being a bit experimental, say, you know, very clear about their intention. I want to we want to do things better we don't necessarily know the right way of doing it better, but we know, we acknowledge what's happening at the moment isn't working brilliantly. So we need to, we need to tweak something slightly. We've got to work out what. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important for giving yourself permission to do that or actually just no, we're going to fix this because it's not right because it's having an impact on the engagement and the work experience. Mm. And that's the part almost you need to fix as well. Is it? It's rather than the, the process. Can we get the, engagement experience and maybe the process will change because I feel I'm going to offer an idea I'm going to be collaborative I'm going to be creative mm. so we're whizzing along our road um the next one I'm very excited to hear about what you have to say exceptional leadership okay so it's no small no small one there <laughs> no and, and it's purposeful to be exceptional leadership it's not average it's mm. not mediocre it's not okay leadership. It's exceptional. That's got to be the aspiration, isn't it? And I've got I've got a few quotes that you probably hear me dotting into here. Here's the exceptional leaders create outstanding teams. Outstanding teams create the culture. Mm. Now there's a golden thread there. If you've got an exceptional leader, chances are they'll create an outstanding team and you will have the culture that your organization wants to have. But then you can work it back the other way. Okay, if we haven't got the right culture, chances are we haven't got an outstanding team and possibly we haven't got an exceptional leader. So I'm a great believer that investing in developing people. And, you know, this is this has always been a case that we should invest in management development and management learning. And we always want our managers to be better. But post-pandemic... And everything else that's going on in the world, I believe that every organisation, their supply, demand and their structure has changed. And as a result of that, so will business strategy and culture. And we didn't know how to deal, really deal with 
the, the pandemic, did we? Now we're coming out, what a chance, what an opportunity this is. So I, did, I don't hold back and say it has to be exceptional leadership because that has the great part on um, employee engagement and, and experience. If somebody's having a, a cup of coffee or out to weekend with a friend, oh, my leader, my boss is exceptional. Wow. Mm. Or what are they saying about you when they're not, my boss hasn't got a clue, don't know what they're doing. So I think it's really important for people to be able to see that vision and take it back. That's where we want to invest. If we are, influence the effectiveness of people managers. If they're exceptional, then we're amplifying the odds of the engagement and the experience. And, and I think it really comes down to three fundamentals for me, is that you need to know and look after your people. So if I know and look after my people and, you know, if we go back to the onboarding, if the manager's recruited someone and they haven't seen a new member of the staff for the months, how can they be getting the best out of that individual? So know and look after your people. Set a direction. Give me that vision. Where are we going? This is a great place to work. And then create the environment for people to engage, connect and perform. And if I'm in that environment, then the chances are you're going to get the best out of me. Mm. So it's really an important role of the, the people manager and a leader now. But it's such a skill, isn't it? That being able to be an exceptional leader, knowing how to lead well, is um, just something that so many people don't have the opportunity, aren't given the opportunity to learn about and to develop and necessarily to see in other people around them. And I know I've spoken to two or three people in the last fortnight who are exceptional you know they are their teams say they're exceptional they always get consistently good employee engagement scores um the best in their um, area of their company and they're leaving and they're leaving because although they are exceptional they're so fed up of not being supported and they're so fed up of not um having the headspace to really think about what it is that they're doing and how they do it and how they can do it better or how they can share it with other people and it's taking either they're just saying they're just getting to the point of saying actually I've just got to a point where I just don't feel appreciated and feel recognized or I've got to a point where it's just burning me out because to be exceptional takes time to be with my members of my team it takes time to work out what's going on what's stopping people from engaging well and then doing something about it and all that stuff for these people is on top of their what's considered their day job and their day job is not really about leading other people. It's about doing whatever other, other aspect of their business that, that they're in. And they're leaving because they're saying, I just want to have support. I just want to have time and space. And I want to talk to other people who are experiencing challenges or who are doing things really well so I can learn from them. And the, that's the voice of people who are already exceptional. So you just think about the people who are struggling more. And we know that there are far more of those people who are not exceptional but are not having access to opportunities to become exceptional because they're not seeing it in other people or having the chance to learn from others about what they're doing that's amazing so I think there's a real there's such, I'm so passionate about this particular space because I agree with you we need exceptional leaders for people to be able to engage well but I don't I don't see companies still investing in that enough I think there's some outstanding operational managers that I've met in the last 
18 months in Overman career, some outstanding operational managers, and they make sure that the job gets done. But there's another massive skill there in being able to look after your people to get the best out of them. So I think it's organisations that are still hear the story of they've been doing really well at their job as an operational manager, so they get promoted into a management role. Well, that's a completely new, different skill set. And being an exceptional leader means that you've got the, all the operational stuff, but you also know how to look, at, look after people and set direction and create that environment that they engage and connect. And sometimes it's not looking at the procedures and operational stuff, it's just the arm around the individual, helping them and supporting them. Mm. And it's almost like, for me, what you were saying then, maybe just think, you know, if someone's taking on a new role, like becoming a people leader, it's almost going back to the start of this roadmap and saying, okay, you know, we don't necessarily need to, you're already here, but actually what do we need in terms of you being onboarded in terms of that particular role? What do you need training in? You know, what do you need? How does your environment change your work environment in terms of what who you're now engaging with? So I think it's, people just tend to forget the fact that we need to go back and start as if we're starting a new role. It's like, actually, you're good at what you do. Therefore, you could just keep going forward with a brand new role that requires huge, hugely different skills and um, without looking back. So, um, but I guess in terms of looking, strategy and vision is next. Yeah, so I think this is, as I said, with the, the massive change that's happening in our world, I'm quite, well, as you know, coming over and doing a strategic storyboarding with you, mm. I'm passionate that we take that time out to, look at, plan and create and set our future. Very busy people. I know there's very, very busy people, but for me, I see that if I can take that time and they kind of work out where I'm going to go, then I'm going to have better chances of being sustainably long-term successful. And for me, strategy, it's a basic human need, is it? I need to know what's going on. Mm. I need to be and I need to have that. So, Work that I did with you and I've been doing with quite a number of organisations and just strategic storyboarding where we go and look out the five years and what's the vision, where do you want to be, what would make this a great place to work. So that's where we need to go. Now let's bring it back to current reality. And it's really important if you know what and where you want and need to be, but you also recognise the current reality. Mm. And once you do that, then you can start to build your story of incremental change and success to get to that point. And if I'm working in an organisation where I know what I need to do every day and I'm doing that well, and I can see that there's a vision of where I'm going, doesn't that enhance engagement? And there's a lot of talk of what strategy and how do you strategically think? And there is a lot to it. There is a lot to it. But actually, could it be that simple that what and where do you want to be? Where are you now? How are we going to get there? Mm. And helping people to share the vision with our people is really engaging and provides that experience. Okay, things may be not working well at the moment, but I know where we're going, mm. so I'm going to stick with it. And then we get to this point. And what's really important for me in strategy, it's got to appeal. Mm. It's got to... Yeah, galvanise the people. Yeah, I know where we're going, where we're going. And then when we get to certain milestones that we recognise and celebrate it, 
Mm. And here's another one for you. If you do not celebrate success, you don't have any. So that's where we need to be. And that seems a long, long, long way ahead. But if we can get incremental steps that we can get there and we can recognize the success, then that's that's really important. And that helps the engagement and experience because I know where we're going. Here we go there. And it really connects a team of people because people are then emotionally engaged and they're, they're working together, they're collaborating to achieve that vision. Um, and your next one on the on the roadmap is outstanding team. Yeah. Yeah. So for outstanding teams, remember, exceptional leaders create outstanding teams. And, uh, and I'm sure we can think of teams that we could relate to as being outstanding teams, whether it's in business or whether it's in sport. And really, if you look at the whole stages of the, the cycle, the forming, the storming, the norming and performing, and potentially the morning if someone leaves, I see that too many people or too many organisations try and get out of storming quickly mm. because it's uncomfortable and it creates conflict and potential confrontation. But actually, more time spent in storming sets foundations for the future. And, and for me, an outstanding team is one that fosters talent, productivity, innovation, and loyalty. And of course, as you mentioned before, that are psychological safety. But if I can grow and develop as an individual, I can do my job well every day and we get productivity. I can be innovative and create ideas and continually improve. Then you've got my loyalty, you've got my engagement, and you've got my connection. And I'm having a great work experience. So the exceptional leader creates the outstanding team. And I think it's really interesting what you said, your observation about people don't like being in the storming phase because people don't like being uncomfortable. And we know that a lot of challenges that people are experiencing in terms of engaging at work and feeling good about um, who they are at work is because the uncomfortable conversations aren't happening <laughs> so whatever that's about whoever that's with if something feels like it's a bit open-ended we don't really know what we're going to get it might bring up some controversial ideas or feedback or some conflicting views or it, people tend to veer away and naturally that's how as humans we are our brains are built that we want to um, take the easy path of least, least resistance but actually for really good engagement to happen we need to we need to understand, we need to get um, to what people really think and what people really feel and to hear the challenges and engage in potential conflict. And a lot of people have an issue with the word conflict. So it's looking at that in a positive way rather than it's, it's not a sort of negative conflict. So it, it's, I think that part, I think that's a really good observation about how teams work. And it's not about all turning up and smiling all the time and just nodding in agreement with each other. It's about having the trickier conversations and having the confidence to do so because the environment is is safe enough for them to to be honest and respectful. Yeah, and I think kind of I'll, I'll get I'll get the football story in. The, I'm running under 16s team at the moment, and we've set the goals for the season, mm. and they know what they set the goals. And then that gives them that opportunity to have that conversation with each other and with me. This is maybe not working so well at the moment, but that's where we want to be. So, okay, so that game's gone. We can't do anything about it now. What do we do about the, the next game? Mm -hmm. And in the workplace, 
it's gone, what do we do with the next one? And that, that helps create that environment of teamwork and collaboration. And that will help us move along the journey onto high performance. So what, what, is, what is high performance? And if I can come into an organisation and I know exactly what I need to do to play my part and I'm achieving it and I'm seeing it being measured and I'm seeing it happening, then that can be high performance. Um, well, we need, I need to see clarity of results. I need to be able to see that I am playing my part and we're winning. Mm. And in high performance, I'm a great believer as well, use data as your mentor. Okay, we've achieved that, we've been successful that, here's the data, here's the evidence. And if it's not, then it's your mentor and it helps you guide of what you need to be able to do next. So I need to understand what performance is expected of me, what are the measures, what are the metrics, and would not be able to see it. Because if I don't know, I won't understand. So it's really important in the engagement touch points that we set a high-performing team, this is what it means for us. And here's us achieving that. And I like the fact that you also, this is followed up on the next stage on the road with the word balance. So I like that because, and I'm interested to hear what you can say about balance, because a lot of people think that high performance is about pushing harder and harder and harder and just... Um, I, was, I was recording a session with Amantha King yesterday about stress and we we're talking about our capacity. Um, so talk to me about balance. So um, really important is self-care and understanding that how do I as an individual perform my best? And to be able to have that conversation with my manager and leader, this is what I need to be able to do. Um, it's not about just being there all the time and being present and working long hours because we all know that there can be inefficiencies in working long hours. Mm. If I can get that balance right, I need to understand my permission to pause and how I need to learn and very much focus with other people. Create your own self-care map. Mm. So we talk about the value of self-care, but what self-care to me is not the same for you. Mm. But if you do understand how you look after self, mm. then you'll be able to look after others. And also when you share that with your members of your team, so I share what is important to me, when I work best, when I'm going to be taking my break and going for a walk, why I'm going to suggest to people that we get off MS Teams and we have some walk and talks so we can get walk outside and get some movement and fresh air. You know, when you talk about what's important to me and you share that with the rest of your team, then firstly, people understand that and respect that and say, isn't this now your time to go out and get some fresh air and your exercise? Um, but I think there's that sense of um, working together and trying to, there's that respect, that general respect about support for each other and not there's no, remo removing the judgment, I guess, of people saying, well, Surely you should be working now because these are your work hours and actually being much more flexible, that sort of integrated home, you know, non-work and work sort of balance. Yeah, and I think it's really important to balance is about being on your A-game. Mm. So can you can you imagine if you were going to a flight and you're going somewhere and uh, the pilot goes, tell you what, I'm not feeling that great today. I 
a bad night's sleep, I might doze off or I'm flying here. You can imagine our expectation is that every pilot's on his A-game. Mm. Anyone coming in to do whatever job they're doing, then they should be on their A-game. So I've got a little equation I use to, to help people understand. If this is your A-game and that's expected of you, score out of 10, how's your energy? Score out of 10, how's your openness? Score out of 10, how's your focus? And if I'm going to be doing a day's work and my energy is five, well, well, you're on the gig. So if I'm really tired, get to bed early. Or if I'm really tired, get up and do some exercise before you go into work. Now, if I haven't got the focus, I'm looking at all these emails and doing all this sort of stuff. Like if I come on here and I said to you, oh, my focus, I've got to check this and do that. No, 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 your expectation is I'm 10 out of 10. And it becomes a really good tool for people to understand their balance mm. and to do something about it. So I've seen some organizations who put the tick box seminar in about well-being and balance and expect people to go and do it. The real important one is if you can then help people understand their energy, their openness, their focus, their self-care, and help them grow and develop as an individual completely away from doing the work if i get the best out of that person and they come on into work then that's going to add so much value but oh wait a minute my organization's helping me be the best version of me they're talking about me the individual so i think that's really yeah. important that comes back to what you're saying right at the start about football and is that the yes yeah, the whole individual um, and actually i think for that balance it's, it's so important for that to be role modeled from the top across the organization because again i hear too many messages which are almost paying lip service to it yeah you can do what you need to do and yes you need to prioritize self-care but there's also no demonstration of anyone else doing that at sort of senior levels and it also it, it can almost feel then that you will be criticized or judged if you actually take them up on the offer so that modeling and sincerity is, is so important isn't it so I'm really aware of time, Mike. So we're going to whiz along. People development. Okay. Well, it's beyond training. I separate training and development as two things. I've been trained, like passing a driving test. Here are all the things I need to do to be able to drive a car. The real development then is when I start to drive in the, the snow and the motorway and the rain, the development. I'm learning all of these things here. So I think it's really important for organisations to go beyond the train and say, how do I develop that individual to get the best and most out of them? And he thinks to consider here is about cultures of coaching. It's about your um, developing your talent and really understanding the difference between potential and performance. Mm -hmm. People understand I've got a high performer. Let's treat him as a high performer. Tell you what, this person's got potential. They really could be a manager of the future so let's develop so there are two different things and often i feel that people don't understand the difference between performance and potential mm -hmm. so recognize that and then to ensure that you've got succession plans in place i think it's really important that you're always looking for succession and as a leader of the uh, l d function my thing was the next person's got to be better than me and it's about then developing who's going to who can cover for me next and they've got to be better than me so i think it's really important that organizations think about people development mm. beyond training 
How do I get the best and most out of our people? Mm. How do I recognize performance, high performance? How do I recognize high potential? Develop accordingly and always have a succession plan in place. And part of that is having a culture of coaching. But you know, here's another one. If you surround yourself with feedback, you can only get better. Having a people development philosophy embraces a culture of feedback. So think about that. If you surround yourself with feedback, you can only get better. And that model, you know, what you've just described, everything about people development philosophy is um, where the leadership labs that I run with um, Gemma are, would sit because it is that I love that idea of, you know, learn to drive a car is one thing, but then learn to drive it in different conditions is another and being able to get that feedback and having that space and being able to coach each other and so on. That's the valuable bit that, um, you know, what I was talking about earlier actually sits better here. So in terms of people leaving because they don't have that space, they don't have that ability to talk about the challenges that they've just come against. You know, they've just driven along a road and there's black ice. What do I do? I need some help. So that's the, that's the, um, yeah, I really get the value in that. So moving on to culture, um, which is a, which is an interesting one because that's a term that's used all the time and people don't often get what that's actually about. So in a nutshell, Mike, what, what would you say about culture? So I picked up the newspaper this morning, front page, toxic culture, people will leave and resign. If you've created an environment where you want to have right and best people, you don't want them to leave. So a culture for me is one that aligns the vision, the purpose, the core values and the ethics of your organization. And experience would say that some organizations don't even have core values. Mm. Some organizations are okay wrestling with this and starting to get into it and seeing that the, the value that they, they can, sorry, there's another step in there. There's the bit where we do have the core values, but they're not worth the paper they're written on. Mm. But there's organisations who are, okay, let's get a core values. This is where we want to be. This is the environment we want to create. And the others who have got them fully implemented and fully embedded and getting a success for it. Mm. Exceptional leaders create outstanding teams. Outstanding teams create the culture. And if you've got the culture that you want that aligns the vision, the purpose, the values and the ethics in your organisation, then you're amplifying the chances that you'll have success. But you have to invest in them. You have to know what culture you want. It's just a case of coming in and going on the treadmill and just going, we'll do the same thing every day, every day, because eventually we'll start being resentment and you'll get the toxic culture. And wouldn't it be a great question just to have at team meetings and say, actually, how would you describe the culture here? And does it fit? And does it feel good? And do what we do, does it help or is it getting in the way and why do we do things how we do them and just have some really open conversations because I think often people can get um a bit bogged down in what how I need to go about this particular area of development actually just throw it out to people in who you meet with day to day and just ask them for ideas just get the conversation going and often when you when you give people the space to do that and to feedback they have that opportunity to so, well, actually, it feels like this when I come here or actually this is how I really feel when I come here. And you start all, all the information is all within the company, isn't it? But it's just accessing it. It's the data. It's the data. Yeah. Ask someone, what's it? How's the culture here? Are people engaged and connected? Yeah, yeah. Show me. 
Here's my evidence. Mm. And organizations who are investing in surveys and POF surveys and pulling that information and saying, here's the real data. That's my mentor. That informs me what I really need to do rather than gut feel. Gut feel is really important. Mm. You combine gut feel with data, then you're getting a real, so you're getting a story of what you need to do to get the best and most out of your people. And also, I would add to that the when you've got the data, knowing how to interpret it and knowing then how to have the great conversations about that data with the people who need to help inform the what next, because there's sometimes a disconnect there. And I've spoken to people again in the last couple of weeks who've said they've got this amazing data coming back from engagement surveys. And the people who get this stuff are great at looking at their scores and being able to interpret what they're doing for their team and being able to feed that back to the team and work out the, what they should do better as a team or differently. Their colleagues who don't have necessarily the confidence or the skills to prioritize this kind of aspect of leadership look at the data and they think, I don't really know how on earth I'm supposed to pick out what's most relevant, what the priority is. How do I feed that back to my team of people? How do we go about doing anything with that? And they, it, there's a sticking point and that's where it stays stuck. <laughs> and, and that's where I get really frustrated just thinking, you've got really great people in your organization who know how to do it, but you're then not having an opportunity to share and almost to coach or mentor their, their peers you've got it's all within your organization but there's just the, the connections aren't there it's really frustrating <laughs> it's a time once i get that data what am i going to do with it so i've had lots of experience in doing that and that, i think that's a really important part of setting your culture because it informs you mm. so reward and recognition yeah i think it's another touch point i need to know that i'm getting a fair deal i need to know that i'm getting a salary that matches what i what I do so uh, I think there's the the quote it goes along the lines of that my salary motivates me once a month but my culture motivates me every day mm -hmm. so there is an important part of that but if people feel that they're not getting the recognition and appreciation and a fair deal that can have an impact but also from the talking about the reward and recognition here it's just not about salary it's the well done, it's the thank you, it's about recognising when people have done a really good job and going that extra mile and actually giving them, not saying just well done, well done for what, thank you for what. So there's two aspects there for me. You have to make sure you've got a fair deal, but you also have to make sure that you've got a culture where I'm rewarded and recognised. Mm. We could talk about, honestly, this, this is something we could talk about the whole day, um, and I hate not being able to pick up on points you've just made, but I'm going to whiz on because there are two more and I want to cover with you. Accelerate the learning. Okay, so I think that this is becoming even more imperative for business organization for, for organizations. The because we've come out post-pandemic, things are changing, but the number of hours a day hasn't. Mm. And we have to learn more and more. The pace of change will never be this slow again. So how do we ensure that our people can accelerate the learning. And I'm a real strong and passionate about, we not only help people learn what they want and need to learn, but how they can learn with greater effect. Mm. And there's four methodologies that I use to help people learn. Memory skills, speed reading, mind mapping, micromastery. 
All of these four can help people learn with greater effect, and in particular looking at micro mastery, because it connects the four crucial steps in learning in a dynamic way. So I'm a great believer in can we help people learn with greater effect? Here you go, Lisa, you need to learn this. Mm. But I'm going to give you some tools and techniques. And where organizations invest in this, they're creating a culture of learning. And learning is happening beyond what they are actually controlling through the procedures and the policies. Mm. And that then also creates that environment. This is a culture where I want to, because I'm learning more and more and more mm. beyond the policies and procedures. So I think it's really important, and I've seen some real success stories where organizations are investing and how do we help our people learn with greater effect and particularly looking using any one or all four of those techniques and methodologies that's really powerful the the how we learn so not just the what we learn and i mean that's a whole nother podcast i know you and i've spoken about um those sort of different methodologies outside of this um and, and it's fascinating. And I think if people were equipped with those skills, they would make their ongoing learning development so much easier. Um, so, yeah, so, but that's a different, that's a, another conversation, Mike, for another day. Finally, we have business intelligence. Okay, so it's maybe that the, the best terminology that you use, capturing business intelligence, but trying to get a little shift on capturing business knowledge. Where for many organizations, because people are leaving, whether it's being redundancy or getting a new job or retirement, a lot of organizations I see are suffering a knowledge drain. That person leaves and goes. It's not the exit interview. It's not sitting there capturing what we need to exit interview, but it's capturing, well, how, who are the people that you know? How, how do you do your job? What would the next person come in and what do they need to know? And all of that and uh, these MLNC we've created a process to help capture business intelligence because that's essentially what it is and it's where it's being used it's working with a really good effect because three reasons we capture the information what about the Monday morning after the person's left on the Friday somebody's got to pick up that job now I know that we'll recruit people and bring people in but there's that gap what happens with all that information that that person who's worked for 10 years get the knowledge, capture it and share it. But also then it adds a real continuous improvement tool. So if you ask me all the information that I know, then immediately, because you've got different eyes, different perspective, well, that's great, right? Okay, we could improve this. What we've been doing, we can continually improve our business. But it then also ends up with me. If somebody's spent that time to ask me about the value that I've added, the job that I've done, the part that I've played, then I'm going to walk away feeling I've played my part and I've enjoyed working here. Mm. Go right back to the beginning. Say hello and goodbye with equal amounts of enthusiasm. And it pains me to hear people telling stories of they just left and that's it. That's... What a waste the organizations are missing, not capturing that information and then having it there to share with the next person. So business intelligence, knowledge management, it could be either or, but stop stop the knowledge drain, capture it, share it, give a feel good factor and improve your business at the same time. I like that. That's that's yeah. 
value that's valuable information and that's a great I like the that as a kind of final place on that journey um it really captures everything that's that's gone before that I think that's such a whistle-stop tour you could break down easily each one of those and talk about each one for an hour so I think you've done remarkably well Mike I think you need to give yourself a little round of applause because actually that was um, quite phenomenal a whistle stop along that along that road what um for people listening to this and there's been there's a lot of information here and, and as I said earlier we're going to send out some links to some resources but what would you advise people to go away and do to get them started thinking in terms of thinking about their own journey um you know that for their their particular company and how to look at this roadmap for themselves, make it make it more meaningful for themselves in their situation. Well, first to give you a permission that pause to actually think about the end-to-end -end employee experience of your people and really ask yourself this question: Am I really getting the best and most out of our people or my people? And then ask this question: Are my people really engaged and connected? Do they feel a real sense of meaning, purpose, and belonging? And do I have the culture that I want and need in this organization? And if the answer to all of these is yes, then absolutely you are a great place to work. But working with organizations, you all know, see that, yeah, we're really good at that, we're really good at that, we're really, ah, we could improve this and enhance this. And then that creates that opportunity. The reality is to this is based on over 40 years experience with, with organizations. It won't change overnight, but recognize your strengths, celebrate your strengths and share that with the people. We are really good at this, but here's our opportunities. This is the next way we're going to enhance and grow our business because actually it's a never ending story, is it? Mm -hmm. But if all our people are feeling engaged and connected and you feel really comfortable that your employee your employees your people have that end-to-end -end experience then fantastic and you have an audit tool that you encourage people to use to reflect is that right yeah i mean it basically just says okay do we have a vision for this it might not be important some organizations might say do you know what i don't want to waste some time and on the board and just let's get them in and do the job and that's your choice that's your choice. So do you have a vision of this? So the, the the 14 points, it basically says, do you have a vision for it? Do you have a strategy in place? Can you measure and recognize success? It then becomes the data to be your mentor and then be able to take it. Okay, so that's where we are. I'm more than happy to have that conversation with, nice. with anyone in, in a deep dive. And can we put a link to that in the show notes as well? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, um, no problem. Thank you. Mike, I have really enjoyed today's conversation. Um, I'm keen to continue it at some point because I think there are, we could deep dive into different aspects of this. But I think as an overview of what I think helps break down what we mean when we talk about employee experience and actually give people ideas about where specifically they can go and focus. Um, I think that's hugely important, huge, huge value that you've provided today. So thank you very much for that. Um, finally, before you go, I'm going to ask you a blind question that Chris Chamberlain of Guernsey Mind, who's also been a guest, 
has provided and this is a this is a really simple one but a great one how important are people to you well for any organization to be successful you need great people and for you to be sustainably successful you need to invest in them so 100% important. And I think I was in the, being in a privileged position from an L&D point of view. And I think that's an important point to be truly strategic at L&D. You need to be able to pull a chair up the top table and influence and inspire the business. And when businesses see that people are their most important asset, then people 100% important. Mm. No business is sustainably successful without good people or exceptional people. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to thank you very much for your time today, Mike. Thank you for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. I invite you to think about one thing that you will take away to think about or do differently. I'd be really grateful if you can give me a thumbs up on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for an extra brand point, leave me a short review. I'm really keen to help drive real change for better practice in the world of people at work and spreading the message will help that. I'd love you to also join the club to stay in the loop and be the first to hear about exciting things that I'm developing, including free downloadable resources. Please do reach out to me directly to discuss the topics covered on this podcast or perhaps other challenges around people at work. And if we're not already acquainted on LinkedIn, please connect. All the links you need are in the show notes. So until next time, bye for now.